What's up? This is Matt Burdick with Impact 89 FM, and I'm here with Charlie Berg, singer-songwriter currently based out of New York, but formerly from home sweet Michigan. How you been, Charlie? I've been good. I've been, um, you know, times are interesting right now. And, um, trying to keep my head on straight and, you know, stay, stay productive and keep learning, you know? Yeah. How's yeah. The, the quarantine life been treating you? What have you been doing to fight boredom and... Yeah, um, you know, it, it was definitely, it had an arc to it. It started off pretty, pretty blue, pretty depressive, right? Uh, you know, as the weeks went on, I, I tried to take advantage of the, the solitude and, and stay creative and, you know, do, do readings, dig into albums I've never gotten really into before, you know, walk around my neighborhood in Brooklyn. But then, it, I don't know, New York got a little bit much for me, so... I'm uh, I'm back home in Michigan for a couple of weeks to, to spend time with family. Any new hobbies or interests you kind of picked up? Maybe like shows or music you got really invested in specifically? Um, during quarantine? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I uh, guess I picked up some books in my little book collection that I haven't, you know, finished or really appreciated yet, you know. I started reading Hamlet with my dad on, on uh, like Zoom calls, which we still have to finish actually. But um, yeah, man, I don't know. I also dug into um, like anime, watching some classic anime films from the 80s and 90s. And uh, yeah, watching like classic performances, Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock, you know, Zeppelin stuff. Uh, I don't know, Curtis Mayfield performances. I just like, I, I realized that YouTube was a, great resource to learn about like stage presence and uh and like stage setup and whatnot so i dug into that for sure <laughs> it was cool would you say that gives you a lot of like inspiration influence for your uh writing and singing during quarantine yeah absolutely i mean i would be up at you know 3 a.m watching a mick jagger video from like you know 67 and just like want to get up in the mirror and like practice my Mick Jagger moves or whatever like <laughs> dance move because I don't know they had like such a cool uninhibited way of like moving on stage back then that was so like vulnerable and, and amazing I yeah. want to learn about like take after that for sure and I know yeah. it's a really bizarre time to be a musician on social media because first of all like the pandemic because of that like people really have nothing to promote nothing to talk about that's coming up and then with all the recent protests and stuff it feels almost inappropriate or out of place to really post about anything that's not adjacent to the black lives matter movement so yeah. how, have, how have you kind of like shifted your approach to your platform and your view of social media based on the current events going on right now yeah so i remember a while ago actually sort of i actually spent a year in michigan state a while back like my sophomore year was at msu and uh that was when I was first getting into releasing music. And I said to myself that I would stay away from addressing politics uh, or, or uh, anything really outside of, of my music on, and my life on social media, just as a, you know, it was a, a youthful desire to kind of be hands off so as to not create or be a part of controversy in a way. But during this time, I realized very strongly that 
uh, silence is complacency and and it speaks almost louder sometimes than your actions is non-action you know so i decided to devote my social media platforms and my my uh, following my listenership or I, I decided to devote my social media platforms to addressing those topics as best i could and sort of play my my rightful or appropriate role in everything going on so yeah I, i've abstained from posting about my own music and i just think that like you said it it is in, in a lot of ways inappropriate to disregard what's going on and we do you know especially as white people you and i have an important role to be present and address everything that's going on yeah for sure and what do you think like musicians specifically do what what is their place in promoting social change well i think that artists and creatives and musicians have a unique relationship with the public in that their art and their self-expression allows them to connect in a unique way with those who consume uh, their output and they create a certain trust, it creates a certain trust between them and, and their support base. So as an artist, I realized that, you know, the 20,000 followers I have on my Instagram account are all people who are trusting of me and my, and my worldview and, you know, more or less, and, and willing to partake in a conversation because they support my art. And it's up to me to have conviction in my beliefs and, and what I believe in, like for, you know, my, my values enough to attempt to impart that upon those who, who follow me and, and who, well, who, who might look up to me or appreciate my point of view. So um, I really do think that artists and, and musicians alike have a responsibility to use their platform for uh for the cause yeah okay well shifting gears kind of suddenly i guess but yeah. uh, i want to talk a little bit about your most recent single channel orange in your living room uh which i'm a big fan thanks man you talked about how you went back to peter's attic from your first ep live in peter's attic to record that yeah. song, and kind of did it all mostly in like one live take more or less mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what does that mean to you with the uh, allowing kind of imperfections like you've mentioned before and like humanity into the music? Um, so just a comment on the specifics about that recording. It was with the, the same band and the same guys that I recorded the Peter's Attic EP with. Um, but it actually was in a, it was in a basement rather than an attic, um, rather than the attic. It was recorded in um, another house in Ann Arbor, uh, but it was still the same energy, the same vibe. And I, I intentionally hearkened back to that, that sort of nature after taking like a series of three EPs to explore production more. Uh, my, my recent, I'd say in the last year or two, my, my writing has focused on the, the idea of spaces and how the specific nuances, like the sonic qualities of a space influences the music. You know, these days I think that people 
are focused on cleanliness maybe in their music and you know getting rid of as much room sound as possible and sounding so you know professional so to speak um but i think that yeah i mean i i actually said this in another in another talk i was doing but uh nobody can can imitate your room right there with your posters back there and that tan wall like nobody else has access to that room in the world so i think it's it's important to take advantage of those sonic qualities that song in particular um i don't know i was uh yeah it was the first thing i was releasing after graduating and i just wanted to to get back home and you know get back to the feeling of of home and that's what peter's attic feels to me so do you think you're going to be using more this kind of recording process in the future or was it more of just a like a special little return just for this one song um no i definitely the material i'm working on now is most definitely geared towards room sound live instrumentation humanity you know it's definitely in that vein and you've mentioned before how uh channel orange in your living room is kind of like a it's about music as a as a moment freezer as like how Channel Orange, the album by Frank Ocean, like will take you to this specific place, this specific memory. And was your goal kind of for the song to be a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy and now like that song can be a similar moment freezer for other people? Yeah, hopefully. I mean, you know, I write just like any artist, you know, we write music that feels organic and honest to us in the moment. And it's funny that the more, in my opinion, the more specific it is to human experience, the more relatable it is, which kind of seems counterintuitive. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can only hope that that people would take my artistic expression and incorporate it into their own journey, you know, their own experiences. What uh, What is some other music, songs or albums like Channel Orange that you kind of associate with specific times in your life like that? Um, gosh, I mean, I grew up listening to the first one that comes to mind is um, the album Abandoned Luncheonette by Hall and Oates. Definitely. I grew up listening to that vinyl. My dad uh, played it a lot um, in the house. And I actually ha I own I, I have that his vinyl. Um, uh, gosh, Pure Heroin by Lord it was a huge, huge moment for me in high school. And just that album's really important to me. Parachutes by Coldplay, their first album, big. Um, I guess like Al Green, Greatest Hits, was another another big record that my dad spun a lot in my childhood. Yeah, I mean, dude, the list goes on. I could talk about that for this whole <laughs> this whole podcast. And then you also have a tendency of doing a lot of collaborations with artists. Like, I think probably a good like maybe half of your songs or so have some sort of feature. Is that something mm -hmm. that? Um, you try to reach out to a lot of people or do they reach out to you or is it more of just a community thing of like whoever's around like hey you want to work on a song together yeah um most of those people are, are just my friends really it's funny the the first mixtape i ever put out blue wave mosaic i remember making an effort to cram as many features on that project as possible because i thought that I just, it was the first thing I'd ever released. And I thought that features made a project feel more like official or real or something. So I just like, literally, even if I could sing the part just fine, or I could play the guitar part just fine. I like asked a friend to come in and like play it just so that I could put their name on the song. 
which in retrospect was really silly. But collaboration has always been, if I'm writing an album where I am the only person that's heard on the record, then I know that I'm doing something wrong. You know, I, I just, music has always been about community, companionship, people, humanity to me. So even if there's not a name on the track, uh, you know, I'll ask a friend to like literally play kibasa or play or, or like sing a, you know, send me a voice memo from one of the songs I had that my friend sent me a voice memo from like, I think she was like in the, like in the shower or something and she sang like a hook and send it to me on in a text and that ended up being on the recording. Like I just, I love like raw personal stuff, man. That's, that's always been, um, you can always expect to hear little, little treasures hidden in every song. So. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any uh, dream collaborators on your bucket list that like you've always wanted to work with? Um, I would love to work with, I guess, Ninth Wonder would be an awesome producer artist collaboration i i'd love to do a track with uh steve lacy one day um he's he's really cool maybe like rafael sadiq would be super cool to get get in the studio with him yeah just name a few so since you're back in michigan let's let's get into michigan a little bit um yeah so you live in new york now but you grew up in michigan what effect mm-hmm. do you think that kind of had on your music and inspiration well, that is something that I've been thinking about a whole lot in the last month or two with conversations on race and injustice happening. I grew up in a, in a very, a very homogenous white community in Birmingham, and it most definitely narrowed my worldview for a lot of my development. And to be honest, I don't think it's any coincidence that I only started to feel like I had something to say in my music once I left that bubble, you know? So I went to college. I got involved in more conversations outside of what I'm used to. I learned and befriended people, you know? And that's when I really started to feel like what I had to say as an artist began to open up in a way does that make sense yeah yeah for sure so i mean you know other than growing up 20 25 minutes outside of detroit and having that motown influence come from my dad and you know my parents yeah i I definitely think the homogeny of that small town set me up for however i began to develop in my music yeah and it's kind of like wherever you're from, it's always good to get out of that bubble too and kind of experience more of the world to get inspiration. And especially small Midwest Michigan towns like that can really start to feel like a, like a purgatory, like that's just all there is. Yes, absolutely. And then since we are an MSU station, I got to ask, I know you went to Michigan State for a brief time. Do you have any specific favorite memories from that period? Yeah, man, that was a potent year for sure. I was in ARCA, the Residential College of Arts and Humanities, and I was in a cover band. We played the co-ops, the co-op houses a lot. And yeah, I was kind of just a loner, man. I, 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 felt, I felt almost anonymous in, in an enormous 
university, you know, that, and, and that I tried to shrink, make it feel smaller through ARCA, through the residential college. But as I was studying humanities, the year went on, I realized that I should be, that I would rather be focusing on music. Um, and then the jazz school told me that I wouldn't be able to transfer to that program until the following spring. And my mom said, Charlie, if you take the fall semester off, you're never going to go back to school. So you need to find a program where you can start in the fall. So I'm like, all right, I start, you know, we started looking around and uh, I ended up transferring, but I'm really thankful for that year at Michigan State. I, if I didn't go there, I wouldn't have made my first mixtape. I wouldn't have met some very important people that influenced the way I see the world and the way I consume music and art. And I wouldn't probably have realized, you know, realized the next step in my path. So I loved the philosophy courses I took at MSU. I loved the art history class. That's the reason I wrote a song called Art History, <laughs> part one. Um, I loved the cafeterias. The food was always great. And uh, yeah, man, it was, it was, uh, I didn't leave MSU because I disliked it. I just, I just wanted something different. And that feeling of uh, like kind of solitude and anonymity that you mentioned, do you think that maybe contributed to your desire to have a lot of collaborators and a lot of voices on your project? Perhaps, perhaps. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. All my favorite albums, all my favorite mixtapes had, had cool features on it. So I thought like, I just, I thought it would make it real. <laughs> it's a silly 19 year old thought, but you know, you roll with it in the moment. Yeah. And then you talked about having a, a bit of a jazz background and being interested in the MSU jazz program. That was something else I wanted to ask about is it's clear there's a lot of diverse musical influences going into your work, but how much background in like music theory and such do you have? Is that something you look at a lot when you're writing or do you just generally go by how it feels? Yeah, man, I have a, I have an interesting relationship with music theory. I took, I was in a, a theory course in high school which really blew my mind, honestly. Um, as a senior in high school, it, it just completely opened up my world, my musical worlds. And I started listening to songs, hearing songs in restaurants and in gas stations in public, whatever. And like my brain would start to give names to things that I hear all the time, which is so cool about music theory. As the years have gone on, my relationship with it has changed and I feel... And this is a this is a discussion I've had with many artists. You know, sometimes music theory can feel like a box, feel feel yeah. like an inhibitant, in, or rather inhibition. And uh, I've been actively attempting to learn how to break those rules. You know, learn how to stop thinking about things in um, such rigidity. But you know, artists like, I mean, Frank Ocean is a great example of an artist who just very easily destroys those constructs mm -hmm. and circumvents them. And um, it helps to listen to artists like that. Yeah. It's a bit yeah. like maybe putting the like terms to it and putting it all out in numbers can make it feel a little bit less special, I guess. And you feel like, oh no, mm -hmm. people have used these same chord changes or something. But theory can never really capture that emotional aspect. Like no matter how much you 
write down, I guess. Yeah. I think, I think it's just, it's really great to know sometimes it really is. And it helps in a lot of ways. And it's, it's kind of like a secret power that you can use very sparingly, Yeah, you know, that you, that you rather, it's a power that you need to know when, when to exercise it and when not to. Yeah. I'll say. I like that explanation a lot. Yeah. So what's your approach to writing songs? Do you usually start with the music or start with the words first? What's your taking off point? Um, I have been asked that before. I'd say that the music, let me think about how to answer this. <laughs> In the past, I'd say that the music, the, the words come at the same time as the melody yeah. and the chords. <laughs> it all just blurt, it just all spills out at once. But for the last year and a half, I have been working much harder to challenge my lyrical muscle, you know, challenge my habits, my fallbacks. And I'm going through way more drafts of lyrics these days than I ever have going back, finding different words. And before I would just Honestly, man, a lot of the songs that I've put out are like the first run of lyrics uh-huh. and like, okay, it doesn't really make sense. So, but, but it, but it feels right. It feels right coming out of my mouth and it, and it feels natural with these chords. So, and honestly, that's not a bad reason to, to keep lyrics. Sometimes the, the literal phonetics of the word just feels right. And even though it doesn't, reveal some deep truth about your past or your life or something like, or about being human, it doesn't, you know, it still feels right. So that, that's, that's still a very viable reason to keep lyrics. For me, I wanted to dive more into storytelling and reflecting on my past to reveal certain truths in the, in the same lane as some of my favorite songwriters like Paul Simon or Joni Mitchell or, Lord, you know, these are all people who I think are like master storytellers. Yeah. Leonard Cohen. And it just made me realize there's so much, there's so much to be done with English, English language. You know, there, there is so much, so many ways to employ the words that you know. And that actually segues perfect into what I wanted to ask next. Are, would you say most of your songs then are autobiographical? Um, how do I want to answer that? <laughs> I think that it is no doubt that I'm inspired by things I've, that, that have happened to me or things I've seen. A lot of my songs, honestly, are combinations of experiences. Yeah. You know, a love song might not just be about one person. And the second verse might be from a different relationship altogether. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's still, it's just, it's about, it's about conveying a certain emotion. But yeah, def- definitely... I draw from my my own experiences. That being said, I, I've been attempting to these days to tell stories that aren't necessarily my own, but that I maybe sympathize with or that I that resonate with me in some way. Yeah. I think that's so cool, man. Like diving into fiction and diving into um like almost dreamlike surrealist imagery. That's something that I've always struggled with and that I want to get more into. So for you it's less about like the events being 100% accurate and more about just accurately portraying the feelings that you have about those things, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And you've mentioned a lot of uh, literary influences too, like Ralph Waddle Emerson, and you said you're reading Hamlet right now. Uh, mm -hmm. do you kind of use that to take like a writer's approach maybe to lyrics a bit? Yeah, I do. I, you know, I don't want to overplay the influence of literature in my lyrics because, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not as well read as, you know, say an, an English major or someone who majored in literature or someone who, you know, I, I love books. I love the books that I have read. And every time I discover a new author or book, I tend to be extremely inspired and gripped by it. But that's not to say that I'm reading every day. You know, I, I'd like to, um, some, you know, I try to. But that being said, yes, I am very drawn to the words of other thinkers, you know, other writers. I just don't, I, the reason I say that is because I don't want, I just don't want to sound like I'm claiming to be some sort of literary expert or tycoon. You know, I just, I like what I like. I read and yeah, I get inspired by other people's work. I do. Yeah, nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. So wrapping up a little bit, do you have any plans for the future that you're able to share? Anything you're looking forward to once the world is a bit more stable, I guess? I'm looking forward to having a new president, <laughs> to be honest. I'm looking forward to showing the world what I've been working on for the last year. I'm looking forward to expanding my artistic reach and amplifying the voices and the work of artists who deserve more attention and appreciation. And I'm looking forward to using my platform to support justice and the causes that that I believe in. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Matt. This and, was great. Uh, Channel Orange in your living room, out now, wherever you listen to music. And Charlie Berg's social media has a lot of great resources and links to support Black Lives Matter and other programs of the like. Awesome. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, man.